Friday, July 27th, also known as Sydney Day. Happy birthday, Puka Muffin. Yes, that, that opening song was just for my daughter, so if you didn't like it, you can suck it. You are tuned into Season 2, Episode 30 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hami Media. On today's show, it's once again news from around the globe. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, but in the 646, they call me 8-Track 311. That's right, I got into the club, baby. I'm joined, as always, alongside my tag team partner, the OG of the Huckleberry Club. Huckleberry number one, the leader of the firing squad, RBV, Rick. Welcome back to your show. You know what, brother? Uh, I, I, Jugger, I need to apologize to you. I need to apologize to everyone. I, I just don't have my regular intro in me today. I, I don't know if it's... I think maybe I, I caught that red and blue brand summer flu. Uh, my, my head is all clogged up. My throat is on fire. Man, I don't know if there's anything worse than like, than like a summer cold. But yeah, you know what? But I forgot, you know, that's not important. What is important is a very very special happy birthday to Sid yes my, my, my oldest is now 15 going on 38 so happy birthday Sydney we'll, we'll, we'll try to do a good show for you even though uh, Huckleberry is feeling under the weather she actually went on a trip this weekend Rick and she actually ate at a place called Huckleberry's she had to send me go. pictures of it she said very nice according to Sydney Huckleberry Club is fine uh, I also want to you know give a shout out uh, very, very impressive work that she did last week. You showed me uh, where she put together it was a coaster that said, uh, you know, that just simply with one of the greatest messages out there, it's all about my Shar Shar. Yes, well, we will talk about your precious fucking Shar Shar a little bit later on in the show because uh, she is due back next week. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. Um, of course, we've got all kinds of women's wrestling news because you may have heard there was something big that kind of broke this week. But there's not really anywhere else to squeeze this into the run, so I'm going to do it right off the top. Huckleberry, it seems as though the king of bros, Matt Riddle, is heading towards WWE and NXT. I was curious how you felt about this. Number one, have you seen much of Matt Riddle's work on the independent scene? I am I am very familiar with him. Um you know, it's not like somebody that I did. I, you know, that I'm watching on a weekly basis. But hey, you know, his name regularly pops up. Hey, let's go back. You know, WrestleMania. We didn't he wrestle like 75 times that week? Yeah, an obnoxious amount of matches. My favorite of which was a no ropes match against Minoru Suzuki. Uh, I what really jumped out when I saw this headline was so he's 
he's finally ready to put the pipe down. You know, I'm, I'm very curious how in the hell that is going to work. For, for those who don't know, the only reason Matt Riddle has not been in NXT at this point, the only reason Matt Riddle has not wrestled in New Japan, is because Matt Riddle seems to have a, 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 a little bit of a ganja problem. Uh, Matt Riddle likes likes to smoke his marijuana. Now, of course, in WWE now, you don't even get an actual drug violation for this. This is some new policy that's happened over the last couple of years. Evidently, you just get a fine. So you pay the fine, you smoke your weed, you move on with your life. I, I wonder how long until they just do away with that. I mean, marijuana is legal in how many states now? Like 25? Well, I, I understand. I, I understand where you're coming from there, but... You know, would you just blatantly justify it like that? I mean, this is a dangerous profession. Oh, so absolutely. When you, when you completely allow something like that, you're kind of welcoming, or, you know, not necessarily welcoming, but you're running the risk of, you know, someone going out there and performing under the influence. And we all know that's happened before. So, you know, it's a no big secret. But when you're openly accepting that, you're running the risk of serious injury. Yeah, that's true. Of course, I would rather wrestle a stoner than a drunk any day. Well, and, and, you know, that's you know, a lot of people think, oh, when it's when it's when weeds legalize across the board, it's going to be you know, like the wild west. Anything goes. Now, you no. know, corporations and things like that are, are still going to have to mandate this thing. I mean, just because you're allowed to do it, you know, it's just like alcohol. I mean, we can't show up on the job drunk. Or, you know, you can't drive while you're drunk. You know, there's 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 going to be limitations there. Do you listen to eighty three weeks? Uh, I I'm hit or miss with it. Uh, this week they were, they were talking about one of the hog wild shows and evidently there was speculation. It was the very first hog wild. There's speculation that Bobby Heenan was like three sheets to the wind doing commentary for that show. I almost want to go back and watch the show now just to see if I can pick up on Bobby Heenan being stupid shit face drunk trying to call wrestling matches. I, I could see something like that, you know, from, from listening to, you know, just the man, you know, himself, uh, you know, God rest his soul and all that. But listening to past interviews that he's done and other people, you know, talking about his time in WCW, man, he was really there just to get that paycheck. And especially at Sturgis. Right. Where he didn't he, want to be he, to begin with. He didn't really care for the company all that much, but it, it was a nice paycheck. It was in, you know, pretty much in his backyard, yep. you know, with HQ. And he had a daughter in college at the time. So, you know, it made sense. Uh, let, let, let's go back to Matt Riddle, because I'm pretty sure I could talk about Bobby Heenan for at least an hour and a half. Uh, let, let's go back to Matt Riddle. What do you see as the ceiling for Matt Riddle? And you'll notice on the run, I have Drew McIntyre associated with Matt Riddle, and I'm sure you're wondering what in the hell that's all about. Drew McIntyre is six months older than Matt Riddle. That's it. Could we be looking at two of the main event players five years from now in Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre? Quite possibly. It's going to be really interesting with Riddle, you know, to see how this really, how this really plays out, you know, just outside of just, you know, you know, his love for the cannabis. It, it, I don't know. There's something there with me that he, he just doesn't really scream WWE superstar. Yeah, I'm right there. with Tre you. Tremendous talent. You know, I'm one of the, I, you know, one of the great talents around the world. But, you know, when you start talking about the, the WWE dynamic and, you know what it takes to be a superstar. You know what they what they think should be a superstar. I don't know if it's really if it really clicks. I, I think the thing with Matt Riddle, as far as I'm concerned, number one, he's fairly tall. He's got a good build to him. He's got a good physique. He's got a face that's not as punchable as Big Ray's. He's got knockout hair. He's charismatic as hell. That's that checks all the boxes right there for Vince McMahon. 
oh yeah, Andy can work, so Hunter will like him too. But but does it fit into like the WWE universe style? That will be the intriguing part. The other thing that's intriguing is will they actually make him wear shoes while he's wrestling? I'm very curious. So, Rick, let's jump into the other big news of the week. And and honestly, this is probably how we should have left off, led off the show. But like I said, Matt Riddle just doesn't really fit anywhere in the rest of this run. So I'm I'm very curious. I'm going to start with you. I know that you have some special women in your life. How has their lives changed since Monday night when Stephanie McMahon saved all of womankind? because that's pretty much how this thing has been framed. I want to know how it has affected the women in your life, Huckleberry. You know, you know what? Before I really jump on, to, I want to come in positive on this thing. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I'm looking out the window now. There's a women's parade going on. Uh, actually, to be honest, there is actually a, a mail-order brawl commercial on the television right now. So, so I guess, you know, the boundaries are being broken left and right. But... You know, I, I was I was really you know going back to the <laughs> locker room on Monday. I was really down on how the pageantry of this entire thing. I, you know, I, I was really disappointed that they weren't making this a much bigger deal than it was. You know, we got a simple social media announcement on Friday, just you know, essentially days before this big thing. It, it should have been a week. It, it should have been you know over the top production. But for the way that they handled this thing, I do want to give them a little credit. I, I thought this was I thought this was much better. Than how they have delivered these other, you know, big women's movement announcements in the past. I, I like that they included the entire roster. Uh, I like that they were up on the stage. You know, it, it really it seemed it, it kind of had more of a feel like this is something that isn't just for women or for lady balls or you know just some, a little PR stunt. This was, it seemed like it was something that was important for the entire company. No, this is something that was important to one person and one person only, and her name is Stephanie McMahon. Well, you, this we, whole thing was all about when, Stephanie. When we when we get down to you know the bottom line, yes, it's about Stephanie, but at least they they made an attempt with the presentation. So I, I thought they did a better job than they have done in the past with things like this. I thought that they did a much better job with the presentation for all of about 20 seconds. And then I was like, oh my God, I am sick and tired of hearing about this thing. You got Braun Strowman cutting promos talking about how great evolution is. You got the WWE champion, AJ Styles, cutting promos about how maybe his little girl will actually have an opportunity in this world now. All thanks to Stephanie McMahon. I'm so proud that I work at the WWE. Oh, we're going to... We're going to walk around and pat ourselves on the back for finally catching up with the rest of the fucking world. And, uh, and again, this goes back to you know, WWE. They, they're, they're, they're playing catch up with the rest of you know sports and entertainment in general. I mean, they're about a decade behind on all of this stuff. I mean, just not professional wrestling. I mean, on any kind of platform, you know, any kind of outlet for entertainment or sport, they are so far behind here. But, you know, but once again, you know, it's, it's like this in the world of professional wrestling. You're like, it's delusional. You're just in your own little, you know, no pun intended here, universe. I got to give a shout out to Huckleberry three and a half. Billy Ray Valentine. Billy Ray Valentine and Big Ray Hernandez sharing Huckleberry three and a half duties because they just want to argue over who's three and who's four. You're both three and a half. Deal with it. But I got to give props to Billy Ray Valentine. He's the only person I have heard bring up the All Japan women from the 1990s. The only way that professional wrestling survived in Japan in the 1990s was the All Japan women. 
And then you, of course, you know, have promotions like Shimmer, you have promotions like Shine, you have promotions like Stardom. I mean, TNA, for God's sake, has been doing impact knockouts only pay-per-views for the better part of a decade. But by all means, Stephanie, now that you decided to finally get on the bandwagon, you get a gold star. Just, dude, they did more to hype this show that is three months away this week on TV than they did to hype SummerSlam, which is three weeks away. I know we're going to jump into some SummerSlam talk here, but oh man, I, I'll save that. You, you know what's what's really interesting is how they go over the top with this Evolution pay-per-view. And then during um, the recent quarterly meeting, we get the release that the Saudi Arabia deal will, is for 10 years. 10 Years. So, so we will have ten years uh, in some shape or form, you know, of a show that most likely will not have women included on it. So, does it immediately, with that news breaking, just days after Evolution is officially announced, was that them getting out in front of this thing? Is that why they did this announcement on Monday, so that we would all look at it and go, "Well, there's not going to be any women on this show for ten years." Oh, but. Look at how good the WWE is. They're giving the women their own show. And I'm guessing it'll probably go for about 10 years. We don't, we don't know if they'll never, if they'll ever be women on that show. You know, they, they could, there could be a, a great change in their society. Uh, you know, over there, Saudi Arabia, women just started, were allowed to, are allowed to drive now. Uh, that's a huge advancement for them. So, uh, and WWE is probably hoping at some point, and you know, they're, again, you're, when you're talking about it's because of WWE, it's this grand movement. Can you imagine when they're actually allowed to have, you know, women compete on the Saudi Arabia show? Uh, you think this evolution thing and everything that's been leading up to this thing with Stephanie is big. Uh, she's going to, I mean, she's probably going to try to elevate herself to the likes of Gandhi uh, and, you know, take all the credit for everything that's happening in Saudi Arabia for this women's movement because, because WWE had signed this deal. And foreseen this thing, you know, whatever it could happen eight years ago, 10 years ago, which, something like that. Yeah. Which do you see happening first? The Saudis letting women wrestle on a WWE show in Saudi Arabia or the McMahon selling the WWE? Because I go with the latter. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Uh, did you really? That's that's another interesting, you know, conversation. You know, maybe we roll that over until Monday. Uh, for some from some hot conversation, you know, to really examine, you know, how how long has it been in Vince's mind to build, that he's building up for one of these sales? And you got to imagine what he's seeing all these other, you know, these all these other figures being thrown around with these buyouts. Uh, he, he's got to he's probably his chops are starting to water a little bit. Of course, we saw a bunch of WWE stockholders selling the shit out of some WWE stock the other day. Yes, that is absolutely something that we should uh, approach in the locker room this Monday. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't really think it's so much. It, it's just circulating stock. They do this, they do this every so often. Yeah, but it's also one of those things that happens far more frequently when you're starting to look to sell the company. All the biz, the business trends. When you look at the actual business, everything says that they're preparing to sell this company. You would, say, but I would, I'd see. Let's give it a couple months and see because when their contract, their yearly contract renewals kick in for your for that year for that annual circulation, they're going to pick up more stock. They, that's what they. That's why they sell because they earn more. Right. Uh, 
Any potential matchups at Evolution? That once this thing was announced, of course, my brain started fantasy booking matchups. Do you have any matchups in your mind that you say that should be the main event of Evolution, or this should be on the undercard of Evolution? Is, is there anything that absolutely stands out to you? No, I, I haven't. I haven't really given the card so much thought. Again, you know, my mind goes to the marketing of it, where I, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, leading up to the announcement, but they did go over the top Monday and Tuesday pushing this thing. So I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, what what kind of names are we going to have coming back? You know, what kind of people are going to be endorsing this thing? What direction do they go with the marketing to to really overhype this thing? But you said you got a couple, man. What do you think about Jargo? Well, of course, they are advertising over 50 women will be wrestling on this show, which just terrifies me to begin with. Um, but immediately. When I start hearing that they're going to bring back names from the past, there was one match that absolutely stood out to me that I have to see at Evolution. I want to see Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Iconics, take on the real Iconics, Trish Stratus and Lita. Oh, man, I, I don't know about that. That's the first match that came to my mind. I want to see Iconic versus Iconic. What do you think they're going to do here? Is Do you think this is actually going to be a big showcase event, or is this going to be like the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, which I still to this day have not watched, and I have no reason to watch it? They did more business at the greatest Royal Rumble than they did in the, you know, the follow-up pay-per-view and all that. So I still, I still disagree with you there. Well, you know what, man, just because you get two F's doesn't make one better than the other. That's fine, man. But it still was, it just wasn't a novelty show. It was a good showcase, you know, put them out on a global, on a more of a global stage show about expansion. But I think this is, this is going to be that case as well. I think we're going to get some storyline advancement or we're going to get some great, some great highs and, and lows here. And I think it's going to be something to look forward to. Rather than talking about Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown, because we just did that. We just talked about evolution. And that's pretty much all that was on Monday Night Raw or Tuesday Night SmackDown. What's, what's the date on the evolution? That's, October 28th, I want to say. Okay, I knew, it was, I knew it was later in October. Yeah. Uh, I, it's New oh, Jersey? yeah, big shout out to that one douchebag who was telling me I was crazy and the show was going to be in September. I forget what his name was, but he was a real dick about it. Props to you, homie. Let's take a look at SummerSlam because Monday Night Raw was basically let's put over Stephanie McMahon. Tuesday Night SmackDown was basically let's put over Stephanie McMahon. Oh, yeah, and we're going to announce some minor stuff for SummerSlam, too. Uh, so rather than looking at all of Raw, because, I mean, I can't wait to talk about Mojo Rowley versus Tyler Breeze again, let's just let's just look at the, at the SummerSlam card because that's really where all the meat and potatoes is at here. Uh, of course, this week on Monday Night Raw, the, the biggest story as far as wrestling goes has got to be, it's going to be Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns once again in Brooklyn because, you know, we all know that the Brooklyn fans are going to be far nicer than the WrestleMania crowd was or the Saudi Arabia crowd was. This is absolutely ridiculous. Rick, what are they thinking here? So, so hold on, but you're you're trying to tell me that that Billy Ray Valentine and Big Ray and Andrew Bello they're they're not gonna just welcome this thing? Oh yeah, they're not just gonna be there to totally embrace it. Billy Ray Valentine, Big Ray Hernandez, and Andrew Bello, I'm sure, will 
I'll be there with both arms raised in the air, screaming at the top of their lungs, hooray for Roman Reigns. He's the champion of the universe. That's absolutely what I expect to happen. You may hear just a slight sense of sarcasm in my voice. Uh, you know, it, it kind of just, it, just off the top, you know, running down the SummerSlam card. Man, I, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of split. You know, there's some, there's some exciting matches, and the other ones it's just like, ah, uh, you know, same old song and dance. You know, you remember uh, going into WrestleMania? I kept saying the show looks really good on paper. SummerSlam's kind of gearing up to be the same way. The show looks really good on paper. But boy, when I look at the creative programs that are being built to get to these matches, I'm just like, why? Why would you do that? So, so we have we have Reigns. He, you know, he upped his game when the stakes were higher. He has now solidified his spot to once again go challenge Brock Lesnar. As you said, though, I mean. How hard are you going to pop when Brock Lesnar pins Roman Reigns in Brooklyn? I think, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be incredible that would happen, but where would that leave Roman Reigns? Who cares? It it can leave him wherever the hell he wants to go as long as it's not on my television. Roman Reigns wishes that he had X-Pac heat at this point. I don't even care. Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. I've seen it twice now in the last couple of weeks. I still don't care. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. I've seen it. God knows how many times in the last four years. I still don't care. I think best case scenario, you're going to get fuck you both. You both suck. And the crowd is going to shit all over this thing. And the only chance of saving SummerSlam, if this is the main event, is going to be a money in the bank cash in regardless of who it is. Well, I was going to say, I I know that's down on the run. Can we jump that in here? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we're going to have Braun Strowman taking on Kevin Owens for the briefcase. Finally. I mean, it's not like I've been pitching that for since Money in the Bank. Kevin Owens has taken this briefcase, right? I would think so. I mean, it just makes the way this program has been booked. Kevin Owens has to at some point get one up on Braun Strowman. This has got to be the one. And it's still so weird. It just doesn't fit seeing Braun walking around with that case. Yeah, but boy, are they marketing that Monster in the Bank thing. I mean, they got T-shirts, Monster in the Bank. Well, and, you know, another thing here, I mean, with the stipulation added, so at that, I mean, does that handcuff Braun from cashing in next week? Like, he, that thing cannot be used until the match at SummerSlam? That's exactly what I wanted to ask you. If I'm Braun Strowman, if I wasn't thinking about cashing in next week when Brock Lesnar is there, I sure as hell am now. But I mean, is that is that like written into the step? Like now it's like the money in the bank is frozen for a month. Well, see, what I'm hoping is, <clears throat> God, no, I'm losing my voice. What I'm hoping is <clears throat> that Braun tries to cash in next week. And Kevin Owens comes out right in the middle of it. And he says, no, 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 no. And fucks the whole thing up. I mean, that would be logical, right? I, see, I, th- I think that would be a smart move, and that's gonna, and that would put some great heat on the program and the feud for those guys going forward. Uh, and that, you know, that actually could help in your intertwining these two programs. I mean, you could, it could be a real highlight for a show. So with that said, they'll do nothing like that. Yeah, pretty much. I'm also curious, what does SummerSlam hold for Bobby Lashley now? 
I mean, as we're looking at this card, it seems people are already kind of pairing off all the way down to, I, it, I don't have it on the run here, but I, I assume we're even going to get Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin at SummerSlam. I, we're, we're that far down the card. What the hell's Bobby Lashley doing? Is Bobby Lashley going to end up with a match against Elias on the SummerSlam pre-show? Uh, you know, that, that could be a real possibility there. But if you're Lashley, uh, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't next week... I mean, wouldn't you being, and I understand, like, it's, you know, he got that first win over Roman, but there really, there was, there was no stakes, you know, it was just competition. It was more for, you know, bragging rights and, and pride. And then when the match this past week, you know, that it, it was more like the postseason, like you got to get that big playoff win. So Roman went out and, and got over in the, in the playoffs and now he's going to get championship opportunity. But if you're Bobby Lashley, I mean, wouldn't you be asking for a rubber match? You would think. But at the end of Reigns versus Lashley, too, as the bigger man who takes the loss, Bobby Lashley gets up and he shakes the hand of Roman Reigns. And they had Bobby Lashley put this fool over. That's really what happened. That's how they always do that, you know, because people know what Bobby Lashley is. They know what he's about. And they're hoping once again, you know, someone that's that is, you know, is legit, who's a real deal, who is trying and, you know, shows respect towards Roman they're they're hoping that that rub's going to going to translate and all it all it does is continue to backfire would Lesnar versus Reigns be your main event at SummerSlam the only way I could see that main eventing and it almost takes away the you know the surprise of it is you would have to have a cash in I would open with it I think that's what I would do I would think I would open with the universal title match and I would have Roman Reigns squash Brock Lesnar in about 20 seconds the only thing, if you still got that case match, that kind of takes away the, the suspense there. I just tear off the Band-Aid and get the fuck out of Brooklyn before that crowd completely hijacks that show. Give them, give them, give them what we're going to talk about next. Give them AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship as you their do, main I mean, event. You do kind of have a point. I mean, to be honest, they're not going to curtain jerk that thing, but you do run the risk of this thing. If they put this thing in the middle of the card, you run the risk of everything that follows just gets completely shit on because which is what happened is to so Rollins at Ziggler in the Iron Man match. That crowd was checked out after Reigns versus Lashley. And I think what heck, you know, I, I know it's SummerSlam, but at least if this thing would close, you're not going to have people as you know, we saw, was it against Mahal where they left? Or was it against Joe? It was against Samoa Joe. I think people will get up and leave. If this I is the main it, event, if it's, if this is the main event and there's a possibility of a cash in, people will stay. Very interested. Very interested how they book out SummerSlam. I would headline with AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. Uh, you know, this is going to be, especially for the Smarks, this is the true main event here. Uh, this is something, you know, we've seen time and time again, but to think that, you know, you go back 10 years ago and you would have, you know, told any of us that this was going to be uh, a major uh, headliner for WWE. You know, you, you would have been laughed at. You, someone, you would have laughed at the person. If you would have told me in 2008 that the main event of SummerSlam in 2018 is going to be AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, I would have sent that motherfucker to the nut house. There ain't no way I would have believed that. And now here we are. And here we are. Um, so let's talk about what happened Tuesday on SmackDown with, with Styles and Joe. I think there was some good, I think there was some bad, and there was some what the fuck are we doing? Obviously, the good is we're going to get AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. 
That's the good. The bad. Why in the world did we turn that segment into the comedy relief of Tuesday Night Smackdown? The WWE Championship should not be a joke. You could have done that entire thing without James Ellsworth. You could have found another way to fire James Ellsworth, who he is gone, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. He is gone, at least for now. Why did they do this the way that they did it Tuesday on SmackDown? Because this goes back to they're really worried about, you know, who's in the back handling this thing. Uh, getting the road rocks off. You know, they thought, oh, let's let's make this blah, blah, blah. I'm going to overthink this thing. We're going to take people for a twist. This thing should have came out of the gate as, as something that you would see from MMA. This, this thing should be treated with the utmost respect from the get-go. Uh, the massive history between these two and, and to have it all kind of accumulate here on, you know, what's supposedly the grandest stage of professional wrestling, the WWE at its second biggest event of the year, SummerSlam. And immediately you come out of the gate stumbling because somebody in the back is, is just a complete jackass. My friend Denny runs a, uh, a group called Pro Wrestling Talk Now and Then. Talk a lot of New Japan in that group. If you're interested in New Japan, look up that group. And uh, he had put up an image of Joe choking out AJ, to which I responded, TNA, TNA. Oh, wait, shit, wrong show. I mean, ROH. Oh, wait, oh, shit, still the wrong show. I mean, these guys have been fighting forever. Do you think we're going to get any lip service to the actual history between AJ Styles and Samoa Joe? I mean, or is it going to be kind of like we got with Nakamura and Styles, where they're like, they fought before? Where, yeah, they just give you like vague, uh, not even like details, but just kind of allude to that there's a history, but nothing. Uh, so if you like, didn't even say like, did it? They barely put over that they had crossed paths in like Japan, correct? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much it. Which, which kind of is funny to me that you know you don't get this from WWE because they're so afraid to acknowledge anything else. But you know, but we have seen that they are you know they are growing with working with others. If they're smart, they'll realize that the the smart money is in going in and and just coming out and say, hey, this is where these guys started. They came up with all – and do it in a WWE way where you clearly say these are lesser promotions. This is where people come up through in the hopes to get to come to NXT where they can be properly trained by WWE and make it to the stage. It, you know, WWE would have to do something like that. But, but if you could tell the story of their history, it's really just going to add to this thing. Uh, but – it's, it amazes me because WWE's got people to condition that you don't mention other promotions. Uh, and you do. It's like this. It's such a rarity that, that people pop for it. I mean, there were people over in the chat for Slammiversary who were amazed at, at how much uh, the commentary team there was putting over the people's, you know, their runs in Lucha Underground and Ring of Honor in New Japan and WWE. I popped on NXT a couple of weeks ago when they did that killer artist formerly known as War Machine package, and they actually showed a picture of War Machine holding the IWGP Tag Team Championships with Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's probably the first, last, and only time you will ever see Hiroshi Tanahashi on WWE TV. Although I would love to see Tanahashi versus John Cena at WrestleMania. That is a dream match for me. 
I would love to see that match, and I'm never going to get it. Let's talk about the uh, Intercontinental Championship. Of course, we don't know what the match is going to be at SummerSlam at this point, but we do know that next week we are going to get Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. Rick, what a fresh new matchup. I'm sure you're looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is this is one too. Like when you look at the SummerSlam uh, you know, run, you see this like, okay, hey, this two great performers, two of the more athletic guys, you know, you know, just all around sound performers. But then when you really break it down, by the time we get to SummerSlam, we're gonna have seen we're probably gonna see this match five or six times. Including a thirty minute Iron Man match that had what, like fifteen falls in it or something like that? It was absolutely uh, eight, ridiculous. Eight falls, I believe. Yeah, something like that. It was it was absolutely obnoxious. Any chance Seth Rollins is recapturing the Intercontinental Championship next week? Well, I, I would hope not. And uh, you know, I think that this has really been a, a kind of a puzzling time for Seth Rollins. You know, going back just two months ago, I mean, he's the hottest act in WWE. He still and, is, even though they've been trying to cool him down for two months. Well, I was going to say then, you know, like he gets too hot kind of on his own. I would maybe not on his own because they were running him out there as the workhorse, but maybe they weren't expecting him to really take off as he as he has. I, I that's one of those things where I don't think that Vince. I think pe- Vince thinks if I'm going to cool somebody down, I'm going to put him out there in a half hour match because people just get tired of seeing the guy. And the problem is Seth can work really, really well. And I don't think Vince McMahon thinks that WWE fans have the comprehension that somebody is going to get over on work rate. Well, I think you're exactly. It's got to be, you know, there's got to be some kind of gimmick or, or that, or, you know, some stupid comedy act, blah, blah, blah. You know, and what Vince sees in his head is what, you know, what, you know, what he get, you know, gets him off. I want to be entertained. Vince wrestling is entertaining. That's the thing that I don't think Vince McMahon, I think he's completely lost touch with that simple fact. He's trying so hard to entertain you when all you want to do is watch wrestling. And I just don't think that Vince McMahon thinks that people think wrestling is entertaining. Well, the problem here is, is well, like I'm more, you know, I'm more storyline driven and character driven myself. Uh, I don't really, you know, go over like the, the 30 minute matches. They are a little too long for me. I'd, I'd rather have something in that 15, 20 minute range at the, at the top of the scale, but, the problem is but we don't have any interesting storylines or characters. So all you really have left right now is is good, you know, work rate. Any chance that Ambrose comes back next week, costs Seth Rollins the Intercontinental Championship, and you end up with Rollins versus Ambrose at SummerSlam? Uh, well, do we end up... Well, they're not the Dolphin Seth has been announced for SummerSlam. No, I don't... Has it? Uh, I'm looking... I mean, it's not like a foolproof, but Wikipedia has it listed. Oh, I think I think people are just speculating on that. I, I don't believe that that match has been officially announced. Uh, I just had I closed it for some reason. Let me pull it up. Uh, but, but but anyway, I mean, well, let's look on the other side because they usually mirror, uh, you know, the mid the the mid card championships. And if we're going to possibly have a triple threat for the United States Championship. And we could possibly end up with a triple threat for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, I'm so I, I, tired it, of triple threat matches in the it, WWE. It's not, it, it's not something that that I you know I am in support of. But you know when you put yourself in their shoes, they they commonly you know mirror those two. Interesting. 
Hmm, I wonder if that has been announced. I don't think it has, but... I mean, I can absolutely see where people would speculate that that's where it's going, but I see absolutely no reason that we couldn't change direction, especially if it's something well, like Well, so I'm trying to think, you know, if Ambrose comes back and he's playing a heel here, and you got the two heels going against one baby, what makes the most sense? Like, who should be, what's the smart money with the title holder? Should it be Seth? You know, he, he kind of has what they both heels want, so that maybe they'll possibly work against each other. I mean, what's what's the smart money? I know we, we are going to talk about an interesting triple threat here after we get through SummerSlam, where I think it makes complete sense how they're going into this thing. Uh, yeah, we've got seven announced matches so far, and it appears that Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins is one of them. Hmm. Somehow I missed that memo, but that makes it even... Why are they doing this Monday on Raw? Why are we doing Rollins versus Ziggler for the Intercontinental Championship on Monday Night Raw if we're going to turn around and do the exact same match two weeks later at SummerSlam? There's there's got to be a swerve somewhere. Well, hold on, that that's that could be it. You know, maybe Ambrose returns here and we end up getting that triple threat to mirror what it seems like we have going on on the other side on the other show. If Ambrose returns next week, how freaking stupid are they? Why wouldn't you bring him back last week? Uh, if he's going to come back as a heel, you don't bring him back in Cincinnati. Well, I guess there is that. Well, I think that's the same reason Alexa Bliss was barely on this show, being from Columbus. Uh, of course, we'll talk about her here in just a few minutes. Uh, let's take a look at the U.S. Championship. Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, Shinsuke Nakamura. I guess we'll start with Randy Orton. After that promo, kicking off Tuesday Night SmackDown, Rick... What do you think? Is it safe to say that Randy Orton's a heel? I'm still not going to buy it. Oh, my God. You've got to be freaking kidding me. He's still Randy Orton. He told those fans basically to suck his fucking dick. Well, he's never been very fond of Cincinnati or wherever they were at. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, yeah, in fact, I wasn't there. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can put Randy Orton in the heel category. I'm still not giving it travesty Shinsuke Nakamura is the only one that's talking about Randy Orton here so it seems as though uh, which I don't necessarily understand right like Randy Orton doesn't necessarily seem to have an issue with Shinsuke Nakamura but Shinsuke Nakamura keeps poking the bear which just seems absolutely stupid to me I think, I think he knows. I mean, he realizes there will be that issue because Randy's coming back for that United States Championship, and it just so happens that Nakamura has that thing. Of course, Jeff Hardy not on SmackDown Live, which I think was probably a good move. Uh, let's look a little bit more at the Randy Orton promo. Did you like the Randy Orton promo? Because I've got some issues with it. I, I've just got, I've just got, I guess I have to come kind of clean here, man. I don't know if it's the, the medication I'm on. I'm having trouble remembering this thing. So Randy Orton comes out, and he starts running down that he is now stealing the gimmick that I proposed for him like six months ago. He's now going to be the indie killer, right? And the reason that I turned heel is because of all you fans and never having your adoration because I didn't come up through the indies and blah, blah, blah. I was born into this, and I didn't have to go wrestle in bingo halls because... I learned how to wrestle in front of millions of people because I'm that fucking good and blah, blah. Great promo, right? Here's the problem. I'm starting with Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy is two years older than you, and he's been in the company longer than you. He's not exactly an indie darling. 
I know not maybe not like what we think now, but he was one of the, you know he was one of those types. You know, he he brought in a different move set. He he didn't really look like the typical superstar. You know, they had the Omega. You know, he, the run things like that. But you're right. If you're going to do something like this, why do you start with Jeff Hardy? Why wouldn't you start with somebody like CN? I mean, he's probably the biggest indie darling on SmackDown right now, right? Well, I other than AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. If you really wanted to do, like, really make a point on that, you, you should have maybe. Do you think it would have been a more, you know, more effectful if he showed up in NXT and beat some ass for a little bit? Yes, absolutely. He should be down there laying out guys like Gargano and Ciampa and Aleister Black and War Machine. That's the gimmick, right? I'm starting with Jeff Hardy. It's like, dude, Jeff Hardy debuted before you did. I mean, I realize he was gone for a while, but damn, Randy. It, it just, I like the promo. I thought it was a good promo. I thought Randy's delivery was awesome, especially because I like dirty slime bag Randy Orton, right? It just felt so disjointed to me. I'm, yeah. yeah so to me, though, that's still, that's a face move because you know what? <laughs> Fuck, fuck the indie scumbags. Yeah, I know. As he was doing his basically, uh, I don't dot, 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 dive. I mean, he's taking like straight up shots at the Young Bucks during this promo. I, I wonder if there was something that they just realized how over this thing is getting for Bully Ray. And then they're like, okay, we got to do something. Yeah, the, now we're going to get the watered down WWE version of Bully Ray. Oh, man. I really hope we get Flip versus Bully unsanctioned at all. And you've got me just human for that i want to see it so bad uh let's talk about the miz and daniel bryan uh this is another one of those on paper this looks great but i'm not sure they're really doing this the right way i number one if you were fooled and you thought that was a real baby you're a fucking idiot I, I, I knew within two seconds of them walking out there is no way that is monroe sky mazanin no chance in hell. And if you fell for that, you, sir, are a fucking idiot. Yeah, you know, just another corny setup where I, if they're trying to overthink or go over the top. When I mean, you've got 14 years of build here and somehow they're botching this thing. It This seems it's it seems like it's – we talked about this before, Jargo. This, this definitely should have been a WrestleMania program because we were worried that it's going to feel – you know, even after 14 years of a build here that they're, they're going to somehow botch it and make it feel rushed going into SummerSlam. This is what they're doing on a short build. Like the story is right here for you. You don't even have to do anything. The story is already built in. You could just have Brian come out and cut a promo and say, I don't like the Miz. And everybody go, yes, yes, yes. And then you could have Miz TV and have Miz say, I don't like Brian either. And everybody goes, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'm ready for the match. That's all I need. Don't give me any of this convoluted bullshit. Well, you, you, you hit it, man. You hit, you hit the mark perfectly there. You can have Brian come out and just simply cut that line. Hey, I've been back for so-and-so, and there was one thing that I've had on at the very top of my list, and I am ready to finally do this. I want to do it at SummerSlam. Miz, I'm going to punch you in the face. That's the promo. That's it. That's all you need. And then start the yes chance. All this other convoluted bullshit, like trying to make Brian look like the dickhead here. 
with Brian rolling all the embarrassing footage. Like, do you really want me to believe that Daniel Bryan was going to beat the Miz up while he was holding his baby daughter? Really? Yeah. That, that's the Daniel Bryan I want to cheer for. Oh, yeah, and stay tuned so you can now watch Miz and Mrs. And don't forget to boo the Miz next Tuesday on SmackDown. It's almost like they're trying to make Bryan the heel here. All you really could have done there is you had Bryan, hey, I, I'm finally, I'm going to punch you in the face at SummerSlam. Then you get the S thing going, and then you have Miz dodging him for the next couple of weeks. You know, Miz, maybe Miz isn't even showing up to the arenas because he's got PR things to do with his new show, or he's on the on another movie set. If anybody like should be cutting selfie time. promos, it's the Miz. Yeah, he's cutting promos from different areas, but he is dodging Brian until he has to show up at SummerSlam. It's another one of those examples where they have too many writers. And they're trying to get too fucking cute with it. Just give me pro wrestling. That's all I need. Just give me pro wrestling. Rusev NCN. I, I wanted to ask you about this one too, because is it a happy Rusev day, Rick? Did Rusev get the magic baby face turn? Rusev has done absolutely nothing to establish himself as a babyface. He comes out without Aiden English, which is a heel move. The 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 uh, ring announcer announces him as the Bulgarian brute out of absolutely nowhere. Is this the babyface turn for Rusev? I actually am interested in this program, but it was more because of the exchange on Twitter between Lana and Vega. I found that to be pretty entertaining, but yeah, I mean, this is, this has been the writing on the wall. You know, people have been wanting to, to embrace uh, and cheer Rusev day. And you had so many great opportunities for a true turn and then to just kind of just nonchalantly, just out of nowhere like this is absolutely terrible, terrible. I, I enjoyed the match. It was hands down the best match on SmackDown this past Tuesday. But when did Rusev turn babyface? Is Rusev a babyface? Here we go. You know, this would just be a thing of convenience that they need to get through this program here. Uh, but I'm actually looking forward to this thing. I think, you know, that if, if done properly, this thing could be a lot of fun. Do you think we uh, get a mixed tag at SummerSlam? I, I hope not. I really hope not. And it's not. But I would love to see Vega in the ring. Uh, I, I just I would worry that, you know, especially if you're going to introduce vega on a uh, to the grander stage like that in the ring I, I would hope it would be against someone she could actually work with uh she would definitely have to carry lana oh without question and i would worry that lana would drag her down and it would you know other people would be leaving believing that vega maybe isn't that good in the ring uh, so at this time i would use uh you know play to their strengths you know especially with lana keep her on the outside you know maybe there there is there definitely has to be a bump spot between the two, but just let them manage. Let them just, you know, bring that extra that they bring by just, you know, just being there. I'm really hopeful that Zelina Vega turns out to be the new Alexa Bliss. And what I mean in saying that is if you remember, Alexa Bliss was nothing more than a manager in NXT. She got called up to the main roster and lit the damn thing on fire. Zelina Vega is really good in the ring. If they would actually put her in the ring, I'm hoping that she has a breakout moment like Alexa Bliss did. My other, my fear on the other side though is they're they're so good together. Oh, they are. I I wouldn't Hurts, necessarily yeah. split them up. 
But I but I think though what would happen though is if Vega starts wrestling, she's so good she's gonna shine. She's gonna out she's gonna outshine CN. Yeah, and believe that. me, and that that's not a knock because he's crazy talented as well. I just I just wonder, you know, how much how much does he really need her? My my only issue with CN is he needs long matches to do what CN does. My my biggest fear with CN is him translating what he does into a six minute match. As long as he's got you know that twelve to fifteen minutes, he's great. But when he's got to condense everything into six minutes, that's when he starts rushing through stuff. Uh, let's throw it over to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Queen X. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues, now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. Rick, did I miss something? Monday in the locker room, we had this whole big spiel about how Alexa Bliss is one of their underrated mind game players, and could she lure Ronda Rousey into the ring, and they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing to build Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. I think a lot of it, I think maybe some of the stuff was just put on the back burner because, you know, the importance in their minds of the evolution. I know, but wasn't like the whole thing supposed to be that, you know, Rousey suspended for one more week. And if she gets her hands on Alexa before her suspension is like they did nothing with it. Absolutely nothing. Well, yeah, I think it's one of those things that they probably had set and it probably just got cut, you know, closer to showtime. That they, they didn't really want to over, you know, over really promote outside things with the women outside of evolution. Uh, and it, I, I think it is. It's not even that her suspension was extended just to keep her away. That was like the punishment. I don't think she can put her hands on Bliss until SummerSlam. I don't know. I'm just, I look forward to the match, but the build, the program, kind of flat. And, and again, you you know, you brought up, you mentioned it earlier when I was talking about how Ambrose is from Cincinnati. You know, Bliss is just two hours up the road, Yeah. you know, and that crowd might have turned on Rousey. As well, they should. How about uh, Carmella versus Becky the Dragon Steampunk? I think we saw this one coming. Saw this one coming Tuesday night on SmackDown. Becky gets the big win. So, of course, we will have the rematch at SummerSlam for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I guess the bigger story here, Rick, is your precious Sharshar, the queen, returns to SmackDown Live next week. What's on Charlotte's docket if we're going to have Becky and Carmella at SummerSlam. Well, let's let's look at this here. If we're looking at the card, I mean, how many women's matches do you think we'll see at this thing? Um, I, I, I two. I mean, is that all that makes this thing? So, I, well, I mean, just looking at the card right now. I mean, granted, we're speculating that there will be an Intercontinental Championship match. We're we're kind of speculating that the U.S. Championship match. Um, I don't think is Miz and Brian actually official yet. Have they announced that that match is going to happen at SummerSlam? I think we're kind of just suspecting that Rusev versus CN. We're kind of suspecting that, but I, this card is already eleven matches deep. Well, and they might, like you had mentioned, though, they might make that the mixed tag just to get more women on the show. There is and that. About. 
uh, obviously, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of shaping up that there really isn't going to be a spotlight focus uh, for my precious Shar Shar. Would you just she, leave her off TV then? You know, at this point, what I would I rather what I'd like to see him do with her here, uh, use her for use her for some PR stuff. Really get out there and let her be an ambassador for the brand uh, in the city that week. You know, I'd rather see something like that where she can be a focal point around the event. Uh, maybe she, you know, maybe she's out there helping with the uh, on the pre-show panel, something like that. Or you know, she's. I'd rather see something along those lines than her being put into. Well, we've got all these other women. Let's just throw them in a big like eight-person tag, or or have her as like the the corner person for Becky or something like that. It's, to me, that's just too much. Uh, but there's a lot of, I mean, what are they going to do with a lot of you? Like Asuka. Yeah. Well, you know, you know uh, Asuka's back to being a freaking assassin killer. And we're not even going to mention that she got screwed out of the SmackDown women's championship. We're not going to mention it in her promo. We're not going to mention it on commentary during her match. She doesn't seem like she really gives a shit about it. So, you know, we're just, but Asuka's back to just, destroying people it just it doesn't make any sense i th- smackdown again it was a much better show than raw but it was just disjointed then we also have this sasha and bailey thing is there any chance is this program just dead going into brooklyn i think that they have just it's been drug out for so long you know for a while it looked like it had that good slow burn and how the hell that they have missed what this thing could have been going into Brooklyn is truly a head scratcher. Uh, this is probably one of their biggest botches in in recent memory, probably in the last five years. What do you say? Man, I mean, it, this this thing was right there for the taking. Uh, they've completely just buried this thing, it, and we it, this thing might we still might see something here that plays out to evolution. Nobody stays as happy as Sasha and Bailey are right now in pro wrestling for very long. Nobody stays that happy for very long whatsoever. Just look at history. So let's uh, let's take a look at the tag team division. The B team take on the deleters of worlds, retain their raw tag team championships. And now it seems as though the deleters are embracing the darkness. Rick, did you hear this promo that Matt Hardy put out on his YouTube feed? I did. I, well, I didn't hear the entire thing. I caught some bits and pieces of it. Uh, I caught like a broken down version of it. But hey, I, I think it's uh, it's a nice little twist. What do you say? For those who haven't heard it, here yes. it is. Yes. To have true harmony in the multiverse, the light and the darkness must balance with one another. What happens if you become too reliant? on the light and it overwhelms the darkness then maybe it is time to allow more darkness into your existence and maybe it is time for myself and my compeer Bray Wyatt to utilize the entity the strength of the monster that exists within the lake of reincarnation we kind of thought that Bray Wyatt was going to turn on Matt Hardy. No, it just seems as though Matt Hardy is turned and we are going to get a heel version of the deleters of worlds and a heel version of Woken Matt. You on board for this thing? 
I think it's a nice little twist, you know. I, I did actually ask, you know, you know, what if it is Matt that makes the heel turn? Well, yeah, but I think when what? you said Matt makes the heel turn, I assume that you meant he turns heel on Prey. Oh, Why? I, I, I did. I did. Well, you know, when I threw that question out there, but I think this is a great twist because, and, you know, immediately, you know, your rebuttal to that was like the Bray thing's not going to work is the baby in this thing. So they found a nice little out here. We, we've got a twist for Hardy and we're taking Bray more back to those evil roots where, you know, he's seen success. What is the monster in the lake of reincarnation? I'm fascinated. I have to know. Maybe Skarsgård holds the key. Very intrigued. And then we also have the Bludgeon Brothers, who will be taking on the SmackDown Tournament winners. Rick, we nailed it, man. Four-team tournament. Woohoo! Go SmackDown Tag Division. You betcha. Just freaking ridiculous. Well, you know what really got what's really getting me here is uh Sanity uh, essentially dead on arrival. Yep. New Day defeats Sanity again. I do not, for the life of me, understand why they even called sanity up if all they were going to do is bury him and where the hell is nikki cross because nikki cross was clearly on that stage for the evolution announcement so she's basically been called up at this point and nikki cross i absolutely love you you were the only thing that made that segment even remotely tolerable for me she was freaking hilarious through that whole thing nikki cross completely in character waving at the audience doing her crazy nikki cross gimmick nikki cross is just fantastic she will be such a breath of life into this smackdown women's division when they just call her up just do it uh well well, I mean, how many look I'm talking about? I, I guess we, I'll get off the women's thing here. But how many times have we seen, like, we know New Day's moving on. How many times have we seen New Day Uso's New Day bar? Well, when was the last time we saw New Day bar? That's been a while, hasn't it? I know, but we, we saw it for a better part of a year, though, for, during their feud. Well, New Day and Uso's, I sure as hell don't need to see that again. I can tell you that. I, it's a good match, but my God, how many times have we seen it in the last year? At least. New Day versus The Bar feels kind of fresh. The Bar just feels fresh in general because they haven't been on TV in God knows how long. You know, you know what just occurred to me, Luis? Uh, Monday in the locker room uh, over on the Hummy Media Group, we were talking about the teams that are in this division, and we, you know, we said this is going to be a four-team tournament. H- why isn't the club included in this? I don't know. Well, I forgot about them last week because we had talked about the five teams the clothes, we completely forgot about this. And you know, the thing I don't understand is when you look at Anderson and Gallows, they're in the best freaking shape of their lives right now. Machine Gun in particular. My God, his abs have abs. I mean, his abs literally saying happy birthday to Finn Balor the other day. It was absolutely ridiculous. Maybe they were not included because they were, I mean, they were outside of Team Hell No. It was the club that just actually just most recently lost to the Bludgeon Brothers in that mini program. Oh, yeah, I guess there is that. But, but you know, all these other teams, New Day, Usos, and the Bar, we've seen the Bludgeon Brothers go through them. I mean, it's, wouldn't Sanity been something new, unique here? Yeah, I, I thought for sure that it would be Sanity versus the Bludgeon Brothers at SummerSlam. And then, of course, Sanity just gets taken out just wiped and that's away that seems like it'd be something that would be interesting for people you know something new the, 
the dark gimmicks. You know, that seems like something they could get hyped around and maybe breathe some, you know, some, some much needed fresh life into this just otherwise dead tag division. Yeah, absolutely dead. So, Rick, I guess that brings us to the end of segment one. Because I really want to smoke a cigarette, and then we're going to come back, and we're actually going to talk about some cool stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about NXT. Uh, we, we, we've had some build to take over Brooklyn I wanted to talk to you about. And, of course, we have the G1 Climax 28 update. Night 8 in the books, and Night 8 was awesome. Looking forward to talking to you about that. Get the results out. Get a little bit of an update. We will be right back. Oh, hey, hold on real quick. I, I wanted to close on something here. Oh. just kind of popped in my head with evolution. Uh, if they really want to go over the top with this and make a statement, uh, everything from the in-ring competitors, the referees, the announce team, right, right on down to the production crew should all be with it. When Stephanie McMahon is your play-by-play commentator for this pay-per-view, I'm blaming you. There's other women out there that could do it. Yeah, but it's not Stephanie. Don't you want to listen to Stephanie McMahon tell you how fucking great she is for five goddamn hours? Because if you don't, you are a terrible person. There we go. We got lifetimes to go. We'll be right back. With a beast known to be lethal And survival's like a free throw My beach is super sweet though Like Normandy, better reload If you're born to be for the people You can be orderly and beach slow What you thought this was, utopia? Well, guess again Cause in these times you trying to fly Is not something I would recommend I dream of better place and better things For all my better friends But it's gonna be a while before we're better men I told my shrink I was a sinner Told my priest I was a god body Told a groupie I was in a Christian band And I had a drink from this god's body Programmed like Blade Living life in the same summer on a sand strap like Game Hunter. Trying to rap for bread like it ain't butter. Been plugged up and wired in. Prime time for the violins. Signed up for the cryogen. Now vibe out to my violins. See, I've been trying to find out how to live forever. But at first, we must learn how to live together. Cause we got lifetimes to go. To these wars, I still see people going hungry after begging for more. Still see zombies on my block soon as I walk out my door. Better know it's business as usual. Yes, the struggle is beautiful. We keep feeding this machine, giving it something computable. We still raise on these sodas. Water costs too much for us, and still controlling populations and still chopping down forests. The trees are burned, earned warrants. Daddy still in storage. We keep fighting for food to eat and still feel malnourished. Why we still afraid of the police and scared of the 12 jurors? Why they're still giving us diseases if they say they cured us? They still ain't hurt us. My thirst so murderous. They've been trying to buy my soul and then employ my services. Every single place I look, I still don't see no sign that we done leveled up and freed our minds. 
So that was Lifetimes by Mayday from their upcoming album, South of Fifth. That'll be out September. I like those guys a lot. Rick, uh, before we jump into TakeOver Brooklyn and, and the G1 Climax update, segment two is going to be a little bit light. So I wanted to ask you quick about Slammiversary because we never really got to give our thoughts on Slammiversary. Thanks to uh, Huckleberry Number 5, Matthew Schaefer, for uh, doing our recap for us Monday in the locker room. What did you think of the show? Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed it. You know, there's there's a lot of praise going around for this show, and I think I might be the only person on the face of the planet that is just not seeing it. Uh, I, I think you might be then, brother. Uh, to me, uh, just the show itself, you know, I, I really I think it was, you know, impact from the management, from the performers, the fans. I really thought that they put their best foot forward. Uh, but with that, and I am kind of glad you brought this up. I was going to save this for later when I was feeling a little better when I could get that fire going. Uh, but but I feel I feel it kind of igniting in me here. Uh, I, I want to say I, I want to you know congratulate everyone. I put their best foot forward, but I, I really take major issue with those fat, pathetic Canadian scumbags uh, who had the audacity uh, to not only carry signs but to begin chanting that Ohio sucks. <laughs> okay, you fat fucking Canucks. Uh, push me too far. You don't let me into your damn country. I, I see you over there every day with your smug asses. Uh, but now to blatantly just to, to blatantly with no reason really at all to uh, to try to attack Ohio uh, when you know some of Ohio's finest performers are out there entertaining you. Like I said, uh, you fucking Canucks have crossed the line and this war is going to another level. You looking forward to uh, OVE versus LAX this Thursday on Impact? I, th- I think it would it'll be a fun one. Oh yeah, that, that'll already have aired by the time this comes out. I'm yes, uh, but yeah, well, I, I probably won't have seen it by the time this comes out because I usually catch up on uh, my impact stuff over the course of a weekend. But uh, yeah, that should be a good. One. And, and I thought the show itself it really reminded me of some classic ECW, where uh, I'm sure that the carnage is what really is going to stand out. What people are really talking about, but there was a little bit of something for everyone. I thought. Uh, that, that was my issue with the show. Uh, don't get me wrong. I thought Slammiversary was a very good show for Impact Wrestling. Um, I just overall didn't enjoy the show because I don't enjoy hardcore wrestling. That's, that's just not my cup of tea. And, 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 and there was so much of it. 
that was the thing. There was so much of it on Slammiversary. Well, you had three matches that essentially turned into hardcore matches. But they were like back to back to back. It was just well, the way the, the show was booked. It just it, it felt like it was just too much. You had a little bit of break between the House of Hardcore match uh, and then the other two, you know, the the hair versus mask and the uh, the street fight for the tag team championship. But is that, and, and the, I, is that the direction Impact's going to go though, or are they going to try to 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 tap that ECW market? You know, if you're you're looking for that that crazed group there, but you know, there was also a lot of great character work. The main event was more of a, a technical showcase, uh, something we're traditionally used to. They, they come out of the gate uh, with, you know, the great high-flying action and all that. Uh, I thought the, the X Division match was, was pretty well done until the very end where, you know, Seidel looked like he about freaking killed himself. Yep. Uh, you, you think uh, the plan here is for Cage to use option C? If I could see them possibly going in that direction. And I, to Cage me, just so doesn't say X Division to me. Well, I think it's, you know, to redefine, I mean, what that, because you're just like, because he's a big guy, he should be in that main event scene there. Well, yeah, I mean, I love but, Cage. Dude, but, I, but I think guy, Cage is freaking can, fantastic. The guy but. can move, the guy can move like an X, like what you would, uh, what you would think of an X Division guy. Maybe they're trying to just redefine the, the rule and the, the perception of the X Division, especially now that, you know, we've gotten back to where it is that that's what represents their men's singles. You got the world and the X Division. Thought it was a good show, but I think it's getting um, a bit more praise than it necessarily should. Uh, let's talk about uh, a couple of other shows that were really, really good. Let's start with uh, NXT this week. Of course, we're on the build to take over Brooklyn. On the show this week, we had Tommaso Ciampa versus Aleister Black. I've got this at four and three quarter face slaps. There was uh, there was a couple of things that went kind of wrong inside of the match so i can't say that it was a five-star match but boy when you when it comes down to storytelling this was a full-on three-act match rick i thought this thing was absolutely fantastic i absolutely love the finish with johnny gargano and the way that we're setting up this triple threat for brooklyn what did you think of the match i really really enjoyed it uh i do want to kind of borrow not a, a line but uh, a train of thought from our good friend of the grillposition.com, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman, he, he was he was kind of talking about this earlier today in, uh, across a couple of the chat groups. It, this was almost one of those perfect reasons where that you almost wish that at some points that NXT was live. Uh, because it, I mean, it kind of took away. I mean, this was a must-see wrestling match, you know, even though we knew the results and all that, but it, it did kind of take away that, that this was spoiled last week. Yes, but I didn't know the finish. Did you know the finish going into the match? Uh, yes. See, I did not. I did not know that Johnny Gargano was involved inside of the finish. I thought that, that we were. I thought this thing was over at least three times. That oh, this is the fin. Oh no, Black kicked out. Holy shit! Okay, that wasn't the finish. They had me at least three different times watching this match. I I can uh, throughout this match. You know, one of the things that stood out to me was the continued character work. I thought it was fantastic. It, From, it was uh, full on three acts o opening act was very very technical very much in alistair black's wheelhouse the second act was a bit more hardcore slugging match very much in champa's wheelhouse a lot of it taking place on the outside and then act three of course was the climax fantastic storytelling from both of these guys what really all three of these guys 
Well, it, it, is, it is. We're talking about triple threats here. I, I really thought this, if you're going to set up, you know, obviously this is the direction with the triple threat, uh, that it makes perfect sense that you pretty much you have two babies chasing the heel champ. You know, so he does have that advantage. He's got that champion's edge going into this thing. Uh, well, he's taking on two guys that would just love to tear him apart. Yeah. And of course, now Alistair Black has a personal issue with Johnny Gargano because Gargano has cost him the NXT championship. So I like that dynamic right. as well, whether it was intentional or not. Do you now do you trust? Uh, I know when, it, when this was Raw or SmackDown, uh, you would be all over this thing because how, you know, their their track record with poor performances and triple threats. What are you expecting here? I expect one hell of a triple threat match because as, as bad as WWE is at doing triple threat matches, NXT has not had that reputation whatsoever, especially when you have personal issues going all the way around the, the way that this story is being built. I'm really looking forward to this thing and, and to see how it all plays out and especially where Johnny Gargano falls in this thing. Um, when it comes to take over Brooklyn, at least at this point, it's very, very hard to tell. But I think it's logical to think that either Tommaso Ciampa is walking out of Brooklyn or Johnny Gargano is walking out of Brooklyn as your NXT champion. Do you expect Aleister Black on the Raw after SummerSlam or the SmackDown after SummerSlam? Because I think it's time Aleister Black's getting called up. I think it is. I think you're, I think you're right. Uh, now, which... Which brand is the better fit at this time? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, obviously, everyone's usual answer is to try to get you know all that young good talent that's over on SmackDown. But you know how much room is there for him for him to grow there? I I think maybe he could fall right into a program for like the Intercontinental Title, or you know there should be some interesting programs with him over on on the Red Brand. You know, honestly, going in later into the year, maybe into WrestleMania season, I think. You know, Black versus like a Finn Balor over the United States Championship would be something. I, to me, that would be you know easy writing to reintroduce the demon. Ooh, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, let's let's take a look at the other two. Um, Gargano, obviously, I think needs to go to SmackDown. I, he just fits that roster type better given his size. Does Tommaso Ciampa's act translate to the main roster for you? Or are you scared that when he does get called up, if he does get called up, this is going to be the most watered down character that you have ever seen when it comes to call ups coming out of NXT? I, I that is a great fear with him. I, I don't think that they're going to get what what he's about. Uh, he's one of those that I, I almost I think of of the three. He probably needs time in two hundred five a little bit just for that transition away from the NXT towards the main roster. Yeah, I could see. I could absolutely see Champa working in 205 Live. God, I hope they don't send Johnny Gargano to 205 Live. That's another big fear. I think he absolutely should be on SmackDown Live. Well, it, 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 but when you're talking about Gargano going to SmackDown Live, I mean, do you send Daniel Bryan to Raw? I mean, because you kind of got the same the same act going there. Yeah, that's that's a valid point. That's a uh, but very I valid see, point. I, I could see sending Brian to Raw. You know, he's he is the bigger star, and that's what they, you know, is the flagship program. Depends on where you're going to want those ratings at, man. Because I, I think Brian is probably the biggest TV rating draw that they have right now. And it, it in a year's time, we're going to see so much change. You know, I, I, 
how much influence really network's going to have over well, we want these stars on our show you know does the split still exist yeah that politics is going to get real interesting real fast you, as soon as they go to fox you, you know this it was you that brought it up a couple you know a couple weeks ago wwe yeah they they want you to believe that Roman Reigns is, you know, this great face of the company uh, that's going to go over top. But we've, we're seeing this from outside, you know, just like with the 2K Sports. Rome, as much as the push and Roman's been, you know, believed to be the biggest star in that company and all this, they've never opted to put him on the cover of their game. And, and you have a great theory that that's fear that it's going to there's going to be a backlash in your sales. Yep. Uh, so maybe these other networks. They start seeing that, like, hey, you know what? This guy ain't doing it, man. Get, get him, get him the fuck off our screens. Speaking of 2K, Rick, are you going to be buying the uh, woo edition of 2K19? Uh, I am not because I'm not a video game guy. I am not either, but it's really tempting just because of that damn Funko Pop. Now, as, see, as I, limited see, edition as those are, there's you got two draws there. I'm not into either of those things, so. Uh, I, I wish they would just like release like old school like like updated versions with like the rosters like that of like the old school games like for an NES or a Super NES. They have, in a weird sort of way, they have because have you seen those NES classics and the SNES classics that they came they out have, with? They have, yeah, I know, but they have the wrestling games with the updated rosters and all that stuff. No, they don't. But if you have a computer and a usb cable and know the software to download you can load them up interesting because you know one of the like yeah the highlights of, of my year is when I, I get my old tecmo bowl updated always go with the raiders because bo jackson can outrun everybody it's ridiculous well, no, I, how fast bo jackson is i, I always uh, i always i always send away to this guy who who goes in and modifies the games and it's updated with the uh, like the 2018 2019 rosters. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's great, dude. It, it's it's awesome. That's that's very much the same reason I'm looking forward to Fire Pro Wrestling. Anyway, let's let's go back to NXT here. Uh, Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. Of course, we know this match is official. Uh, and I really what I wanted to ask you about here, Rick, was the contrast between the presentation of Kyrie Sane and what the fuck they're doing with Asuka on Tuesday night SmackDown. This worked in a pre-tape sit-down contract signing Shayna Baszler just being a complete bitch, which is fantastic. Shayna Baszler has really come into her own as a character. She already had the the in-ring resume, but as far as her character work, she is just knocking it out of the park. Kyrie Sane speaks very broken English. And yet this promo was tolerable. Uh, and you know what What was really missing here, actually, was uh, the Batman words on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. We forgot about that, too. Yeah. I mean, how could you how could you pull something off without without that awesome graphic you know, to reach that younger generation? But yeah, it, it's it's just it's mind boggling, you know, night and day. Uh, these, this, it's it's what's so hard to believe at times that they're the same company. But they're very much the same character. And yet you look at the presentation here and one of them is good. And one of them is Asuka on SmackDown Tuesday. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's just it's hard to believe that in the same company, uh, you know, on the yellow brand, that they can get this so right. 
and then which which should be the grand stage is a complete swing and a miss time after time. Really good stuff out of both ladies. But then, Rick, then NXT ups the ante. They have a, a backstage pre-tape with Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, of course, is undefeated and she's injured. She says that she's rehabbing and when she comes back, she's going to get what she deserves, which you would assume she means a WWE NXT Women's Championship match, which leads your brain to immediately go, Kyrie Sane is winning in Brooklyn. And then in the very next segment, you see the champion, Shayna Baszler, walking through the hallway at NXT, and you see Candice LeRae come up and get in the face of Shayna Baszler, which then tells your brain, oh, wait, maybe Kyrie's not winning. Maybe the next program is going to be Baszler and Candice. These are the things that make NXT so much better than what they're doing on Mondays and Tuesdays. It's just amazing when you like plan ahead uh, and you and you plant seeds of doubt that what's going on. It, and you know, for me, really, I, I hope that Baszler retains at SummerSlam or at, at Takeover Brooklyn, because uh, you know, obviously, if she loses that thing immediately, everyone's going to be jumping on that. Oh, she's going to help Bliss at SummerSlam, which I'm not against. I'm, I'm all for that. But I think, you know, if she's still holding that NXT Women's Championship, a lot of people are going to be, it's going to be more of a surprise if and, you know, if and when she does show up at SummerSlam. Yeah, very much agreed. So let's throw it over to the land of the rising sun. Let's get your New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 28 updates. All right, Rick, night eight is in the books. Right now, I'm between night eight and night four as the two best nights of the G1 Climax thus far. I'm actually going to comment just a little bit on the... um, undercard tag matches too because i thought there was something very very interesting going on inside of these undercard tag matches number one we have suzuki and desperado defeating narita and michael elgin no big surprises there hangman and chase owen suffer their first defeat as a tag team to evil and bushi i thought this was a little bit surprising I kind of thought that maybe they were going to let hangman and chase owens at least get their wins inside of the tag team division what do you think? Do you think these two could actually make a case for World Tag League? Do you like this as a pairing here? I, I, I definitely like these guys together. And I, I did not see this match, but when I saw the result, I, I had to like go back and double take this thing. Uh, I was pretty shocked. Yeah, I was shocked uh, as well. Hangman Page also going to be taking on Joey Janela. That was officially announced for All In on being the elite this week. Have you seen very much of Joey Janela? Uh, not up until... The announcement was made, and, and then I went and looked uh, and found some of his work, checking it, checking it out. Uh, and I, I still, I'm on the fence here. You know, I was really hoping maybe something uh, a bigger, you know, a higher profile match for Hangman. But uh, again, here we're going to get another Joey or a ghost of another Joey likely involved, and that that also kind of kind of has me divided. That you know, that Hangman is going to be more involved in a comedy thing at this show 
instead of something serious. Yeah, I think it's going to be very much more character work for Hangman Page at All In as opposed to a serious Hangman Page. I'm a little disappointed in that as well. Uh, but I do like that uh, Hangman is now calling himself the Joey Killer. I think that's kind of fun. Um, I, I haven't seen very much of Joey Janela, but what I have seen is typically pretty good as long as I get away from that CZW stuff because I just cannot get into that. Uh, Bad Luck Fale and Tonga Loa defeat Switchblade and Yo as once again, Switchblade just throws Yo to the freaking wolves. This is uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite stories <laughs> inside of the G1 Climax. I really want to see Rocky Romero versus Switchblade Jay White. I'm very much enjoying the way that they are building this kind of uh, interbred chaos feud with Rocky Romero being on commentary for the G1. Uh, Finley and Tanahashi defeat Makabe and Hanare. And then we have Okana and Gato losing to Yoshihashi and Sho in the Battle of Chaos. But I think the thing that was really important here, Okada was a dick to Yoshihashi. A complete douchebag to Yoshihashi. Both of these guys are in chaos. Okada's supposed to be the leader. Yoshihashi's trunks and stuff starting to kind of match up with Jay White's. I'm starting to think that the headhunter is going to end up with the switchblade. What do you think? I just, I have to agree with you 100%. The, the chaos in chaos uh, is very intriguing right now. It, it kind of just all around, it's, it, it's as if all these major factions are just on the verge of, of exploding. And of course, now we are also seeing a little bit of tension inside of LIJ. So what I'm starting to think is Harold May doesn't like factions very much like Vince McMahon does not like factions. It seems like we're teasing a breakup of all three of the major factions inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that all kind of started when uh, the new president of New Japan Pro Wrestling took over. That's definitely a, a story to follow and see it kind of how all of this plays out. Uh, well, you know, we, we had speculated that the move might be more towards, you know, that Western movement. Yep. Uh, because, you know, as, as New Japan is really, you know, gained in popularity over these last couple of years. One of the major things that, that for the Western fans has been, you know, confusing or maybe not so much confusing, but, you know, taking the most to adjust to is that we have all these factions. Yeah. The American audience just doesn't seem to understand it. And when you look at it inside of the Japan context, it all makes sense. And I'm pretty sure I explained it all on one of the early shows back in the archives. Maybe we'll have to bring that up again one of these days on the locker room or uh, hitting the marks here. Uh, but let's let's move on to the B-block matches from last night. You have Hiroki Goto defeating Toru Yano. Again, chaos versus chaos. Toru Yano right back to his old ways. Absolutely no fair play in this match. He meets Goto in the middle of the ring. They shake hands as they turn around to go to their respective corners for the bell to ring. Yano runs over, yanks Jimmy. That's one of the turnbuckle pads, by the way. Yanks Jimmy off of the turnbuckle, goes over and starts beating Goto with it. Fucking we're right back to the old bullshit Toru Yano. And I was really almost enjoying Yano through the beginning of this, when I could actually see Yano wrestle, because Yano, surprisingly, very much like Colt Cabana, can wrestle when he's not doing all the comedy bullshit. But now we're right back to old school Toru Yano, that fucking 
bastard. God, I hate Toro Yano. Any comments? Goto over Yano, no surprise to you. I, I, I think you got it, man. You, you nailed it. NATO defeats Tama Tonga at his own game. And here we actually see LIJ versus the firing squad because we have Fale gets involved in this match and Tangaloa gets involved in this match and Bushi gets involved in this match and evil gets involved in this match. Conspicuous though, by his absence is Sonata. Sonata does not get involved in this match. Of course, Sonata has an excuse because he's in the main event later on in the show, but this has been kind of a theme running throughout this tournament. Whenever LIJ gets in trouble, Bushi comes out, Evil comes out, and there's no Sonata. Something to keep a, keep a little bit of an eye on as NATO seems to be uh, getting a little bit irritated in some of the backstage uh, segments and comments with uh, Sonata not showing up for the family. I would love to see that as a program. If Sonata is going to break away, this is a, a really good way to start it, although it sucks I was, without I was gonna say I was going to say I, I agree there. And, and if you're getting NATO upset, uh, you know, that's, that's also, you know, it's intriguing in itself, you know, kind of Mr. Joe cool there. Of course, the other story here, Tomatonga taking the loss. Um, not that Tomatonga gives a shit about the point totals, but cheating has kind of been what the firing squad is up to. Tomatonga even found himself in Twitter jail over the last couple of days. Uh, he kind of lit the internet on fire. <laughs> this is for you. Internet fucking nerds. Who the fuck is you? Who the fuck are you? I play by no rules. What? You telling me about the fucking G1 like there's some kind of honor we playing by? Some fucking rules? Tradition? Bitch, who the fuck are you? Oh. You mad. You mad. I'm making money. The best way I know how. Who is you? I don't even necessarily want to get into the comments because as far as I'm concerned, it, it, it was just Tomatonga working. Right? Tomatonga is a evil shit talking heel. And if somebody's going to try to troll Tomatonga on Twitter, that's exactly the response that I expect from Tomatonga. You know, with, with this split here, uh, maybe we'll just call it a split with the, the formation of the firing squad. Tomatonga, he is really up to his game. He is ready to step to the forefront. He's getting his name out there. He's starting to show that personality, starting to show that desire to, to really claim this, to claim this thing. Yep, I like it a lot. And now we have one of my new favorite Twitter feuds going on. Tomatonga is going right at the big dog, Roman Reigns. Evidently, Roman Reigns is the stooge that ratted out Tomatonga, or at least that's the narrative going forward. Roman Reigns, like an idiot, responded to that. Dear Roman Reigns, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. And when you're trying to go 
word for word with Tamatonga, he is going to bury your ass. And boy, did he bury his ass. And then today, as Tamatonga's walking to the ring, guess who's cocking his fist? Oh, yeah, we even saw a Superman punch out of Tamatonga in this match. Oh, Roman Reigns, you freaking idiot. This is going to become a fun narrative going forward. Let me, let me ask you something here. Just, you know, with Tonga really, with Tama Tonga really stepping up here uh, and, and showing that, you know, that maybe he is ready to, to take the reins, especially just of the entire Bullet Club. To me, it just, it adds more fuel to the speculation, uh, you know, of people like Omega and Bucks and Cody returning to WWE or for the Bucks case, uh, first time there, but heading to WWE at the end of the year, do you see this, the, the true success of Bullet Club continuing under, let's say, if Tama Tonga takes takes those reins? And I mean, I mean, and I just don't mean just, you know, in ring, but in general, just their business model that they have. You know, that's that's kind of funny because I have actually been thinking about doing a very special episode of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast with you. I just have to figure out exactly how I want to format this thing. Taking a look at the Bullet Club. Because nobody thought when Devitt left that the Bullet Club was going to be anything. That that was just going to be the end of it. And then, of course, they brought in AJ Styles. And then when AJ and Machine Gun and Gallows left... And Kenny Omega is going to take over the Bullet Club. Keep in mind, I mean, Kenny Omega had just now, at this point, decided he was no longer going to be a junior heavyweight, and he's going to take over the Bullet Club, really. And we see the empire that it has become. Well, you know, even if you know, like the Bucks would leave, I, I mean, I would believe that they would still, you know, retain all this like merchandising right because this thing, you know, it, it could still keep rolling. Uh, they're going to still help market this thing, but you're just going to have different faces representing representing the brand. That's a possibility as well, because uh, it's Mrs. Matt that runs YoungBucksMerch.com and kind of fuels this entire empire, not necessarily Matt. Right. I mean, they're going to be smart enough to make sure that they're going to be able to, you know, to maintain their outside business investments, and, it, and it's not anything different from anywhere else you see individuals maybe they're not dealing you know exactly in pro wrestling uh but they have other business adventures outside of the outside of their wwe deals that's a great point man that's a great point uh also on this show if you have not seen this show this is absolutely one of the matches that you need to go out of your way to see zach saber jr taps out tomohiro ishii I couldn't freaking believe it. They're even putting on commentary. This might be the first time that Ishii has ever tapped out. Zack Sabre Jr. over strong in this match. I'm, I'm sure you had to be disappointed when you saw this result. Uh, I did. I actually, I saw some highlights of this match as well. It's really uh, good. This, this was one I was able to catch. So, yeah. Um, hey, man, Sabre getting back on track here. Yep. Uh, Kenny Omega avenges his loss to Juice Robinson from last year. That's when Juice uh, and the whole uh, I can roll a motherfucker up all started was the G1 last year when he got Kenny Omega. Some sportsmanship between these two champions. Very much enjoyed that. Kenny picking up Juice at the end of a very, very hard-fought match, kind of putting him over. It was a good match. The biggest story, though, coming out of the G1 right now had to come on being the elite this week when we found out that Kenny Omega is actually working 
with a fractured heel. Rick, this ain't good. This is the kind of injury that could plague him for a very long time, especially if he's not going to take time off and let this thing, no pun intended, heal. Yeah, something that they that they really need to be careful with. Uh, would you expect as soon as he gets through this G1 to, to maybe hit the sidelines for a little bit? Yeah. Um, don't be surprised if Kenny is just at the Jericho cruise and not working the Jericho cruise. I could see Kenny absolutely taking some time off to let this thing heal up because if you, if you follow much NBA, especially fractured heels, those become career injuries to where it's just one of those things that is going to bother him until the day that he decides to hang it up. This is not good. Also just being at the, the cruise, uh, what do you think maybe his role will be here in about a month when we head to Chicago? Oh, that's a very good point, too. Oh, man. Now you got me worried. Now you got me worried. Well, I think you think about, it, you know, he hasn't really been, uh, you know, in the forefront of like their marketing and all that. So, you know, maybe something with Kenny, you know, maybe he does. He does, you know, just do appearances there with us. Hmm. Interesting. You could end up with a Golden Lovers tag team match, too. Okay, that could, you know, you could really protect him there. But hey, you know, it'd be disappointing not to actually see him compete. Uh, but I think his overall health and, you know, in the long term is what's really important. And personally, I you know, I wouldn't complain if he, if he sat it out. Well, and especially that audience. Yes, there will be disappointment if Kenny Omega can't wrestle at all in. But if there's ever an audience that's going to understand that Kenny Omega needs to take care of himself, it's going to be the audience at all in. We, we get that. Uh, then we have the main event of the night. And I got to admit, I was a little surprised that this was the main event on this show. I thought Kenny and Juice Robinson should have been the main event when you have a champion versus champion match. I always feel like that should be the main event. But this match did not disappoint. Five face slaps, Sonata versus Kota Ibushi, Sonata getting the win over the Golden Star. Did not see this one coming. But boy, these two guys are mirror images of one another. This was their very first singles match, and it was not a disappointment, exactly what you would expect from these two guys. But I thought for sure Abushi was going to get the win over Sonata. Uh, Abushi kind of falling behind here a little bit. Yeah, now, uh, now Abushi two matches behind Kenny Omega. Yeah, a little surprising, but. He's gonna he's gonna have to recharge here to make that to make that push. Well, even Kevin Kelly kind of put over. If you had that match circled in Budokan, like many of us did, thinking that that was gonna be the match that decided the B block, with Ibushi now two wins behind Omega, things start to get intriguing. Like, how many losses do we really think Kenny Omega is gonna take here in this block and what he has left? I, sh- I should look up what Kenny's got left. How many how many matches do they have total? Well, there's nine matches in total. We're we're at four okay. right now, okay. so we're basically at the halfway point of the G. I, I guess I guess that was a stupid question. I'm sitting here looking at the standings. I can easily <laughs> just figure out how many matches there are in a round robin match. But I, I'm sorry, you know that's I, I, I'm dealing with this cold. I'll just use that as the excuse. It's all good, brother. It's all good. Let's take a look at the standings quick. Now that we are basically at the halfway point. Uh, a block evil Tanahashi and Jay white at six points, Michael Elgin, Togi Makabe, Kazuchika Okada, Minoru Suzuki at four points, 
Fale, Hangman Page, Yoshihashi bringing up the rear at two points, but still very much anyone's game. I was going to say, you know, top to bottom, this one is anyone's game. And then inside of the B block, you have Kenny Omega, the IWGP heavyweight champion, leading the way at eight points. And then Tetsuya Naito at six, Sonata at six. I cannot wait for those two to face off inside of the G1. Hiroki Goto, Kota Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr., Tomohiro Ishii at four, Tama Tonga, that bastard Toru Yano at two, and your IWGP United States Champion, Juice Robinson, bringing up the rear at zero points. But once again, I am not concerned whatsoever. I, th- I feel like even though Juice lost today, he absolutely won with Kenny Omega putting him over. But I agree with you, and he's, he's got some great outings there. Uh, and again, you know, as you said, they, they got kind of the out. He's working with that that injured hand. Uh, so that could set up, you know, a number of matches. Now, since does Kenny get an opportunity at the United States Championship? If he wanted one. Okay. Of course, we, we saw a little bit of that with uh, Kenny Omega and Hiroki Goto earlier in the tournament with Kenny saying that he wanted the never open weight championship. So, but he's already held the U.S. title, so I don't necessarily anticipate another U.S. title match between Kenny Omega and Juice Robinson unless Kenny decides that he wants to be the belt collector of New Japan Pro Wrestling. What do you think? Now, about halfway through the tournament, of course, your pick was kind of Kota Ibushi. I'm still going to hang in there, man. I think they're just adding to the suspense here. I think he's going to make that big run. I'm sticking with NATO. But I'm starting to wonder if it is going to be Okada on the other end. I'm starting to think it's going to be NATO versus Jay White in the uh, G1 finals this year. That's uh, I'm still looking strong on my other side because I had I had Mr. White not winning the thing, but but advancing to the finals. Huckleberry, anything else that you wanted to comment on in the world of professional wrestling this week? Uh, you know, as usual, uh, it was a good week. Outside of the WWE universe, uh, very disappointing from uh, the effort from the red and blue brands this week. Uh, NXT held its own. Uh, we saw some great action. Uh, we got some continuing developments in in Japan. I, I of course, I enjoyed Slammiversary. Uh, I think you're the only one on the planet who is maybe down on it a little bit. But. I enjoyed it. I just think that people some there's some people that are saying, "Oh, this was the show of the year." No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was a good show for Impact, but let's not get carried away. And I, and I think you, you, you do have to realize, too, you know, you're know, you going to have a little more of that leeway because just, you will agree, this was a, a great, a great effort forward. Oh, for absolutely. Wrestling. Absolutely. And I even said it, it was a good show for Impact Wrestling. I just think there's some people that are just completely overreacting. Well, you know, when your expectations have become so low, and you and you really are you really are rooting for them to be successful uh, that you're going to get behind something like that. Uh, of course, you know there there was some major issues uh, production wise that they still need to work on it. And I actually like kind of that raw feel to those shows. Uh, you know, mainly their big one is you know sim- something as simple as like their their entrance music. You know, it'd be nice if, if we could you get kind of that that pop moment, or you just even can tell what the music is. Uh, their transitions backstage to their interview segments. You know, when they were when they were doing the OGs and the LAX stuff, you, you could barely hear what they were saying. Yeah, I I don't like that overhead cam either. Uh, the the video game shots are 
they take a little getting used to. Yeah. I, it works for me in Lucha Underground, but I don't like it in a more reality-based company. Right. And it's it's not – you know, I always have this conversation with people. It's, you know, Lucha's so different. You know, it's not a, it's not that traditional wrestling promotion. It's, it's you know, something of its, of its own unique set of rules where something with, like, with impact wrestling, you do have to value some of the traditional things of professional wrestling just so it's relatable to the general audience. Um, I guess one other thing that we can talk about, um, I, I completely forgot to put this on the run, would be Ring of Honor. Um, of course, we now have new six-man champions. Ring of Honor actually stooging that off for us. The, the Bullet Club have captured the six-man titles from the kingdom. I think really the biggest story here is that tells me that Matt Taven is going to be finally pushed as a single star. Uh, yeah, I think that was that was your first response there. Uh, I I know I saw this match. I watched this thing. Who was it from Bullet Club? Um, it was the Bucks and it wasn't Marty. Oh, the Bucks and Cody. Cody. Okay, that's why it was. I, for some reason, in my head, I kept thinking Marty, but it was Cody. Okay, I, no, I Marty came match. out for the celebration afterwards. Yes, that's that's where I'm getting it from. Uh, you know, again here, it, it seems like, you know, David, he's been pushing more and more towards wanting to go, uh, for the ring of honor championship. Uh, and I wonder, uh, does this play into anything going into all in, are, are we still officially set with Cody versus all I believe so. Or uh, cause it would, would, I would, I was thinking about this afternoon and again, it might've just been, uh, this, this cough syrup and all this. I got like three different kinds of meds in me that are kind of like fighting it out. Uh, but I was wondering just in my head of it, like it, because Cody didn't capture the ring of honor championship. If all this like had an out or something, I don't believe so. I believe the deal was if Cody captured the ROH title, then, then, then it would be right. Okay. Okay. I believe so he, that still, was the deal. He still is set to challenge for the NWA world heavyweight championship, but absolutely. I expect Nick Aldis to make light of that in the promos leading up to this match that Cody did not live up to his end of the deal. That's kind of Nick Aldis's character right now. I ate up, you know, over the course of, I mean, we're about a month away from this thing, brother. Uh, we're both going to be there, of course. Uh, but I, I'm really, this month is going to be really interesting to see how they, they really fire up this build. Yeah, looking forward to it. I very much, in speaking of Nick Aldis, the exchange between Nick Aldis and Marty Skrull on being the elite this week, <laughs> with Marty hanging, holding up the uh, 10 pounds of gold and really kind of struggling to hold it up. Fantastic stuff. Really enjoyed that. So that's going to wrap things up for season two, episode 30. Holy crap. Episode 30 of season two. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to hit that subscribe button. Then head over to our friends at the roar network by hitting the gorillaposition.com where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Also be sure to find RBV and I this Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com in the locker room. You can find me lurking around Wednesday nights at one wrestling video for this is NXT. Find me on Twitter at not Jargo RBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks and the doctors find you? I was going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to take it kind of easy uh, and just, you know, just uh, maybe if it's necessary, just apologize to everybody. If, if I seemed a little down, the usual fire wasn't there. I promise, you know, Monday over in the locker room, I'll be back on the, back on the A game, ready to go. And then of course, bringing it once again, next Friday here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Go catch your G1-itis. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me.
me. I don't give a f Yeah. <laughs> 